The Space Force took a deep look, not into space, but into the mirror this week, and released its first ever doctrine. Now, this document lays out the philosophical reasoning for a Space Force and also describes what space warfare will look like in the future. Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni has the latest. And Scott, a doctrine is something that all of the military organizations basically have as their foundational, I guess, raison d'etre, correct? That's right. And, uh, you know, this publication is just like the others in the sense that it takes a real philosophical and political view and look as to why a space force is needed. And what this does is is it looks, you know, usually these things aren't really news. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, a, a armchair philosophical type thing. But there's been so much debate around why we need a space force, if we need a space force. And this really defines things as simple as, hey, uh, what is space? You know, at what point are you being past the the atmosphere of space? If a satellite is over another country's airspace or sp- space space, <laughs> is that uh, you know considered uh, a breach of of boundaries and borders and things like that? So these are all very interesting questions to ask. And you know, another thing that I found pretty interesting is the retrieval of satellites if they fall uh, you know out of, out of orbit. How are you going to get those if they're in enemy territory? So really what the Defense Department and the Space Force want is to continue to have dominance over that domain and to continue to look through and and work through those sorts of issues with America as the top dog. So the doctrine then goes beyond simply why there's a Space Force, but also what it does and why it does what it does and the boundaries of where it can operate. Exactly. And and what it does is it really outlines five areas where the Space Force needs to excel in order to exceed. And and one of those is we sort of touched upon, which is space security. And, and that is just protecting the interests of the United States when it comes to civil, commercial allies, uh, intelligence community, defense space systems, all of those space systems. You know, something that we've really had some headbutting against with China when it comes to things like satellites, 5G networks all that kind of stuff. Electromagnetic spectrum and bandwidth are a theme that is through this document. This is about 60 pages through it the whole time. Now, another thing that they talk about is just the ensuring that military equipment and personnel can enter space and come back into space without the restriction of other countries stopping that. Uh, That's one of the more obvious things, but something that the United States needs to worry about. That also goes for sustaining orbit and recovering the hardware, as, as we talked about as well. Uh, they also want responsible and timely rapid collection of data. And, you know, that's something that we use the, the satellites for ISR, inter, uh, intelligence, reconnaissance, and, and surveillance. So these are all issues that really need to be thought about, especially when the Space Force is trying to continue its dominance and awareness of that domain. And what do we know about who develops the doctrine and how they vet it so that it becomes the official operating manual, you might say, for something like the Space Force? I imagine this goes yeah. up to the Secretary of Defense at some point. Right. Well, this was signed by the chief space officer, which is General Raymond right now. Uh, you know, this is something that he probably pushed past Esper, but not necessarily in the sense of, you know, had Esper's input on it, right? He's the, he's the expert in space. He's been working in space through the Air Force for years. And so uh, he and his policy advisors are the ones that came up with the reason for this. And and this really is a response to the doubters, the people that were saying, this isn't, uh, you know, what we need. We need to keep space in the, the individual services. This is the way that they can explain why the Space Force is needed under one conglomerated and concentrated military branch. We're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Mossioni. 
And what does the doctrine say about the people that Space Force thinks it will need? Right. Well, I think the Space Force is going to be a lot of smart people. <laughs> That's the people that they need for it. You know, uh, Space Force isn't, at least at this point, Star Wars, where you have, you know, just a bunch of mechanics in space. Um, these are the smart people on the ground who are tracking satellites, putting satellites into space. Some of the employees that they outlined and the expertise that they're looking for are electromagnetic warfare, cyber intelligence, orbital warfare, which is something that you never really thought you would hear. <laughs> those words, uh, battle management, space access, and engineering and acquisition, of course. So these are going to be some people with some advanced degrees and that are going to be talent that the Defense Department really needs to go after because it's talent that private industry and other countries are going to be looking for as well. And in that whole idea of orbital warfare, does it mention jamming or jamming countermeasures or our ability to jam other people's satellites? Is that all part of this? That is all part of it. And, you know, it, it goes even farther than that to long haul communication links, protecting strategic communications, machine to machine interfaces. So satellites talking to other satellites, position, navigation and timing. You might know that better uh, as your GPS for your car. Missile detection warning, intelligence surveillance. Everything is really reliant on space now. And, and that, that is part of this doctrine as well is just saying we need space. Space is part of our future and um, it needs to be defended according to this doctrine. And is there a roadmap in it? Because in the lead, we mentioned that the doctrine spells out what space warfare will look like in the future. Does it also have a pathway for the space command itself to grow and morph? So it doesn't exactly have a roadmap per se. It says that this document and doctrine is going to be lasting for about four years. And after that, they want to update it again and look at it. And it's going to kind of continue on that road of a four-year refresh every every so often. And will they call that the quadrennial space review? <laughs> they might as well at this point. They've got enough big words in DOD, they can add another one. Now, this is a public document. You're reading it, and uh, we can all look at it. I wonder what China must think of it. And does China, I wonder, have a similar doctrine that is in the public domain? Of course, if it's in Chinese, more of them can read ours than we can read of theirs, sad to say. But this is something that's out there for friend and foe alike to be able to uh, pour over. It is. And I don't think the Defense Department nor the United States have made any ifs, ands, or buts about what they want in space. And, you know, the really to, to show this is that the Defense Department put out a space strategy just back in June. And really what that postured DOD to do is to further weaponize space and establish it as a warfighting domain. So they're making no, uh, you know, no question that Warfare will be in space. Space is something that is going to just simply be a combat environment. And, you know, that, that's something that is just the future. All right. And Scott, before we let you know, I want to switch gears here for just a second. And you're reporting some news on the military treatment facility front. And that's been something that has been a little bit of a bugaboo uh, for some time now. What's going on now? That's right. And this is, is actually some huge news. And that is that the U.S. military branches, all of them, are calling on the Defense Department to stop the transfer of military medical treatment facilities to the Defense Health Agency. This is something they've been working on for years and we're hoping to complete within the next two years. So what they've said is that COVID-19 has just demonstrated that the reform isn't working. It's not viable. There's too many barriers and unnecessary complexity for this. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the Defense Department at this point is considering it or how they're considering it, but it's something they're really going to have to think about how they're going to do. They've already put 
a lot of money into doing this and a lot of thought into doing this. But this reorganization is the law of the land, too, correct? That's right. Congress in 2017 uh, reaffirmed this and made sure that, that it would happen. So and they, they put deadlines on it. However, they have put a delay in this most recent NDAA and the House side of it to possibly slow down at least this transfer. So at the very least, it might at least give some time to the Defense Department and the military services to rethink how they're doing this. At the very most, we might see things go back to the military services. Wow. Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out both of his articles at federalnewsnetwork.com. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.